Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. What's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. So good to have you here with us today for episode 338 of the Speaker Lab podcast. Got some great content for you today as we talk with three-time guest Harriet Turk about crafting your talk. Now, Harriet is a friend and colleague who actually collaborates with some of our students here at the Speaker Lab, helping them create and take their talk to the next level. She has tons of experience as a professional speaker. I'm incredibly grateful for her, her willingness to share some insight and expertise. In today's episode, Harriet's going to walk us through the early stages of developing our presentations through, through goal setting and storytelling and how to ensure that you're leaving your audience with clear takeaways. She reminds us of the value of third-party feedback and learning from other speakers without allowing their influence to overshadow our opportunity to be genuine with our audience. No matter where you find yourself in your own speaking career, Harriet reminds us to be professional and prepared without being overcoached. She's going to explain how to engage your audience and leave a lasting and genuine impression. we got a lot to learn from Harriet, so let's jump right in. Here's my conversation with Harriet Turk. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Bolden here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, we are joined by my good friend, Miss Harriet Turk. Now, Harriet is someone we've had on the podcast back in episode 82, back in episode 252. Uh, and actually, when I was a, uh, a a very young, young, young man, uh, I met Harriet uh, in my speaking journey. And so she's been someone that I've always looked up to, admired, respected, been a, a close friend uh, for many, many years in my own speaking journey. So always good to have her hang out with us here on the podcast. Harriet, how are you today? Hello, I'm good. I'm great. Thanks Do you remember the me. first gig we did together? Was it Indiana? I was thinking maybe Indiana. I was, I was kind of guessing there because I wasn't sure if yeah, you remember. I'm not sure. I think it was Indiana. I, I know, know we've done several over the years. I remember one in Mississippi, yeah. Um, yeah. Indiana, maybe a time or two. Nebraska. Oh, yeah. Know. Like middle of nowhere, Nebraska. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. So yeah, we, we, we go several gigs, go way back. Uh, what okay. we wanted to have you on uh, today to talk through is uh, creating a talk. Now, this is something that is obviously like the, the meat and potatoes of any speaker's journey is creating what it is that you're going to speak about. You actually do some work with our students here within the speaker lab on helping create a talk, helping craft a talk, helping prepare to deliver a talk. So we want to just kind of like talk through that process today. So when, a, when you're working with a student and uh, a, a student's like, okay, I know I want to speak. I have a rough idea idea of who I want to speak to, what I want to speak about. Like one of the, the hardest parts is then you're like staring at a blank screen going like, I, I don't know what to do from here. It's kind of like yeah. starting to write a book or something. Like I know what the concept is. I know where I want to go, but like, I have no idea where do you begin? So like, what's, what are those early steps of the process like for creating a new talk? For me, I just get people to write stories or talk about stories and because you have to know what it is you're leaving your audience with. I mean, right. do you want them to learn something? Do you want them to do something after they hear you? Uh, what, what do you want? And people come a lot of times and they just have a bunch of stories, but they have no idea where it fits in. And so they, first of all, you have to know your goal. Mm -hmm. 
um, which is the goal of your presentation. Um, but then just to get stories together to find out, you know, maybe what could work. So it's just, in the beginning, you just have to let your creative juices flow. Yeah. So when you're thinking back, uh, even at the beginning of what the goal is for a talk, um, how do like how does the speaker figure out what the goal could or should be, or is there you know certain types of goals that make more sense for a talk versus others? Um, like how does the speaker kind of figure out what that that goal should be? Well, I think in some ways they should know that before they really start to write a presentation because they know the goals of what they want to be as a speaker. Um, so I, I don't know. I think really you just have to flesh it out because some of it could be customized for the client and you have to kind of, you know, switch gears a little bit or add to what you thought you were going to do. Yeah. So that's why I really believe like if you have a 45 minute presentation, you need to have 90 minutes of material so that if things have to change at a moment's notice, you can do it. So to that, and I was going to ask you about this later, but uh, when when you're creating a new talk, there are speakers that um, just across the board who uh, some have a whole bunch of different talks that they offer and some that say, hey, this is just, I do this talk and that's it. Um, some that say, you know, I've got a, a, an hour long talk, but I got a totally different talk. That's a 30 minute talk. How do you, like when you're, when you are working with the speakers thinking about a, a talk, how do you kind of think about that? Is that okay to have multiple talks? Is it better to just have uh, a bunch of versions of the same talk versions, meaning like links? Um, but how do you, like, how do you coach and, and advise students to think about that? Well, in my experience, um, having one presentation only limits what you can do because in like from my past history, um, meeting planners want me to do a keynote and a workshop or two. Mm -hmm. And so I need to have multiple talks or need to have one talk that then goes more in depth in a workshop. So I've got to have content as well as fun. And uh, I think it's hard just to sell one keynote and that's all you do. But then again, some people do it. But how do you they find the balance then of like, of, of you're doing, um, uh, cause there's speakers who can have a whole bunch of different talks and they're like, they're all okay. Versus if yeah. they focus on, you know, one or two, especially when it comes to keynotes. Cause I think for, uh, like when it comes to workshops, speakers, maybe, you know, they're trying different material or here's kind of a, you know, uh, it feels less polished than what a keynote yeah. would be when it comes to a keynote, any, any speaker that says they've got, you know, five or seven or 10 different keynotes, I'm always kind of like, do you yeah. though, or any of those that good, really? <laughs> um, versus like, you know, here's kind of this core thing and they may have like yeah. versions of it. So if I'm speaking to this audience, I'm going to use this story and this story and this example, if I'm speaking to that audience, it's the same content, but I might swap out, you know, that story or move things around. Absolutely. It's kind of some, some Lego pieces there. Um, so is it okay to have, or is it possible to have too many different talks or too many different versions of a talk? Well, I think so, because, you know, and I know one thing that you teach a lot is about niching yourself. And so if you have too many talks, I mean, what's the point of that? You're trying to be something to everybody. Yeah. But if you have one talk that has like different versions um, that maybe two or three different goals that you have for your presentation, then I think that's great because um, it shows you, you're versatile. Or could you do a 45 minute keynote and then like an hour and a half workshop? People want that, too. So they want to go more in depth with the material that you cover. Right. But it's just, it's really um, one of your goals as a speaker and everybody is different. Um, but I know no matter if I speak to teenagers or if I speak to corporations, I'm always going to tell two stories and it's because they hit no matter what, where I am. And so I just take those two stories, but then add in others. So it's, I guess I have a bank of stories that I can go in and out with. 
but I always know that I'm going to open with one and close with, with another one. Okay. I've seen you speak a few times. I'm going to make a guess here. I'm going to say, <laughs> this isn't going to mean anything to anybody else. Uh, Spider-Man story and the makeup story. Yeah. Um, the makeup story goes a lot of times, but Spider-Man is okay. always. So okay. yeah. Spider-Man's always in there. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. All right. That's funny. So again, someone's got, you're going to have to look, do you have a video of the Spider-Man talk anywhere or the story anywhere? I don't. Uh, well, and that's something I need it. to have. I mean, I'm sure it's on YouTube or something. We'll have someone know? find it on YouTube. The Spider-Man story, Harriet Turk, Google that. That's right. uh, so anyway, <laughs> so when, when you're working with a, a speaker and they, uh, and they're thinking about their, their goals, are you talking about the goals for that talk of what the talk wants to accomplish or just for them as a speaker, big mm -hmm. picture, here's why I want to be a speaker. And here's what I'm hoping to accomplish as a speaker. I think it's both. Because when you're, you really have to sell yourself sometimes to meeting planners um, if they have no idea who you are. So you've got to be able to sell yourself as a speaker that you're going to fit their goal for their conference. But then you also have to be able to show how that particular presentation is also going to go with maybe the theme of their conference or the theme of their workshop or, you know, what it is they're trying to get their employees to do, for instance. Um, you know, are they trying to learn? Like one thing, I just did a, a virtual thing for salespeople and that was a little bit out of my comfort zone, but at the same time, what they wanted to do basically was improve job performance. Well, I can do that yeah. with the material I have. So. so when you are starting with stories, are you talking about like just first person stories, stories that you've lived, or are you talking about any stories that you can think of? Here's a, a cool story from some random sporting event I had nothing to do with, or here's, you know, let's talk about how, you know, uh, America was formed. Let me tell you the story of that. Mm -hmm. Or like what, what stories are you, are you looking for there? Well, I think you, you, yeah, you can do both kind of where it's a story maybe you heard or a story that involves you, but you have to make sure that it goes back to like um, the, the line, the fault line that you have. All your stories should go across, I mean, go down with that. Um, I know Tamsin Webster has the red thread. Mm -hmm. So it's like everything that you do has to follow within one line. Yeah. Um, and I think you have to set up your presentation in the beginning too, maybe almost like a, a promise that by the time you leave here, you will know one, two, three, or yeah. you will learn how to one, two, three. Um, so that way you're setting it up for your audience and you're also setting it up for yourself. So you'll have a structure. But when you're brainstorming stories, especially like first person stories, or I guess, you know, third person stories as well. Um, there are some stories that like naturally are going to tie into like that red thread or kind of here's what, what the idea is for the entire talk. Um, but there's also like, you know, the Spider-Man story, for example, is like, um, and for those who haven't seen the video yet, um, it's a story about your son. And uh, it's a it's a story that you've told hundreds, if not thousands of times. And you could yeah. probably at this point, you've told it enough where you could go a bunch of different directions with it, you know, so you yeah. could speak to educators about it, or you could speak about employee engagement and tie it in, you could tie it in a couple different ways. So there's Right. So part of the challenge is like when you're, when you come up with stories, like here's a really good story. I have no idea where it fits or if it fits with this thread or this idea that I'm trying to get across. So at that early part, are you, are you doing any editing at all? Or is it just kind of like, here's a story. I don't know how it fits. I don't know if it fits, but I'm going to, here's a story I'm going to capture and, and possibly be able to use at some point. Well, I think you need to capture it first um, because you never know when you're developing your presentation where it might fit. Yeah. But um, yeah, you, you totally capture stories and just be creative. Like in my senior year, high school English teacher, every single day we had to 
creative right for five minutes. No editing, no um, taking anything out. It was just you wrote for five minutes. And I start my stories that way too. I just write because what you find out sometimes is stories that you think are going to be fabulous really aren't once you put them down on paper or once you say them out loud. Right. Um, they don't transfer the same emotion or the same content that it did when it happened to you or when you saw it. So yeah. it's like, just get down as many stories as you can and then figure out what it is that you're doing and how it's going to fit into a presentation. Is there any prompts or anything that you use to pull out some of those stories? Cause there's sometimes where it's just like, Oh, that's a really good story. But like, I just, I didn't think of it. So when you say like, you know, let's think about stories. Like I, I'm trying to think like where my mind would go to come up with what would make a good story. And especially like early on, if you're a newer speaker, you may come up with a, a story in your mind that like, I don't like, that doesn't seem super compelling or that doesn't seem super interesting, or I don't know how it would tie in. And so it seems like it'd be easily, easy to like mentally filter some of those stories of, mm -hmm. I don't know where this would work or if this would work, or if there's even a story here versus like the longer you've been speaking, I think the more you kind of build that muscle. So like when something happens or you yeah. notice something, you're like, Oh, okay. I know where I could use that. Or I know how I could use that. Or I know how I can make yeah. a story out of that. Or I know how that would connect to this thing over here. But early on, when you're just kind of like brainstorming stories, like where, like where do you even begin to know, um, you know, what stories, what kind of stories, like, so are there any prompts or anything that you're using to um, kind of point people in the right direction of what to be thinking about there? Well, really, I just tell people to record anything that they think could be a story for like a month, because we do that all the time. We see things and go, oh man, I could use that. Um, but then later on, it's like, eh, that doesn't really fit, or it's not as funny as I thought it was going to be, or, yeah. you know, I, I really don't know the point of the story or what I was thinking. So I, I tell people just for a month, um, write down anything that you think could be a story, anything that you see, you know, go back to emotions of like childhood, um, that could be positive or negative, you know, what, what are some things that you do, um, Kendra Hall does great with that, you know, with mm -hmm. um, stories that stick. So it's like, what are the emotions that you're trying to get across and how can the story stick with someone? So, I mean, people don't remember my name, but they remember the Spider-Man story. Mm -hmm. And so then like, if you follow me at a conference and they say, and you ask, who did you have for the speaker? And they, you say, um, I don't know, but she told a Spider-Man story. You'll immediately go, Oh, Harriet Turk. Yeah. So there's some that's, that's great about that. They'll remember your story. They won't remember your name, but you've got to be able to touch people. Just, I always say by emotion, because that's how we learn and people, mm -hmm. especially adults, they have to also be able to tie it into some statistics or something that works within their mind, not just their heart. Right. I mean, you can capture people with their mind. So while you're doing stories, you also can look at some research that goes along with that. Um, you don't want to bore people with statistics, but at the same time, content is king. Yeah. Hey friends, do you know the five steps to book more gigs and get paid as a speaker? Well, if not, listen up because these same five steps that help me to grow a seven figure speaking career are all laid out in great detail in my latest book, The Successful Speaker. Five steps for booking gigs, getting paid, and building your platform. Whether you wanna speak as a side hustle or your dream is to become a full-time professional speaker, I know what it takes. I share all of that with you in this definitive step-by-step -step roadmap. Let me be your guide. Learn from my mistakes. Get paid what you know you're worth to share your unique message on stage. If you want to read the first chapter for free or just check out the book, go to thespeakerlab.com slash book. 
Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash book. Check out your copy of The Successful Speaker. Uh, one of the things you kind of touched on there is like when you're, when you're thinking through stories, there's going to be different types of stories. So some are going to be meant to be funny. They're meant or some that are meant to be more, uh, sad or poignant when some that are going to be more motivational or inspirational. So as you're kind of thinking through stories, is there, is there certain criteria that you should be looking for? Like, are you ideally, are you looking for something that's funny? Are you looking for something that's sad? Or like, oh, the audience is definitely going to cry with this one. I like, <laughs> is there, um, is there any you know, type of story that's better or worse than the other? Does it depend on the speaker? Um, how do you kind of think about that? Well, I think that what we'll do a lot of times is we see speakers that we admire and then we think we can copy yeah. their way of speaking. And so like, if we see someone who's super funny, then we think, well, that's the way to capture an audience is to be super funny. Um, but there are a lot of speakers who aren't funny at all and they capture everyone's attention. And it's because of, um, what they're leading the audience to do. And um, you don't have to be funny, but the one thing that I can't stand is when people manipulate emotions. If there's true emotion in a story and it absolutely is real, then use it. But if you're doing it to manipulate your audience into crying or showing some kind of emotion so it makes you look great, then I, I don't like that at all. <laughs> How do you determine yeah. that up front? Cause you, you may be like working on a story that's just like, this is a, you know, a sad story. And maybe if I'm, you know, sharing that story, I might get emotional and it might leave the audience to be emotional or, yeah. um, so how do you kind of find the balance of sharing something and being genuine and authentic without it being manipulative of the audience? Well, I think, um, you've got to get your emotions under control because if you are doing therapy on stage for yourself, it comes out. Yeah. And you need to make sure that you've gotten all the emotions worked out. But I mean, when I tell the makeup story, I mean, there are times when it really hits me or there's never been a time when I've told that story that I haven't gotten chills. Mm -hmm. And it's because it's, it's a real meaningful lesson that I learned. And so I think everyone knows that they're trying to manipulate and what we don't know sometimes is how the audience is going to react. And sometimes people have cried in my presentations and I don't understand why, but it's yeah. because I've poked something within them that was, you know, unintentional. And that's one thing that I learned too, is I may have a goal for a story and it may be going in one direction, but then it hits people in a whole different way, or they get some takeaways that I didn't even know were there. Yeah. You know, they remember certain things that I, I didn't even know were there. So right. When you are when you're crafting a story, um, should you approach it through the uh, through the lens of of how I'm trying to think just like the, from the emotions of it of like okay the goal of this story is to be funny so therefore I need to tell it in a funny way or the goal because it seems like you could tell something that um, you know you could you could find a story that you could tell in a in a potentially sad way if there's a sad element to it, but you could also tell it in a funny way, or you could tell it mm -hmm. in a, you know, what a, a different angle, kind of depending on what it is that you're going for as a speaker. So like, how do you kind of think through, um, uh, which route to kind of take with that whenever you're, you're crafting a story? Well, I think you just go with your gut. Yeah. Um, I really think that if you stop overthinking everything or, or, thinking, you know, it's got to have this point and only this point, then creatively you can expand what the story is. Um, I just, I really think that people try to have it so condensed that they put so much content in it that they lose what the magic is within the story. 
So when I work with people, it's amazing how much material that they come with, not realizing that that what they brought me is really a keynote in two workshops Hmm. um, because they want to give so much. So I, I just think that if you practice out loud, you learn a whole lot more about what the story hits on and what parts need to be told. And sometimes we find that we try to tell a story the way we wrote it, but authoring a story is much different than presenting a story. And so if you are crafting a, a story that would be great in a book, it may not be the best in a presentation because you've got to take your audience somewhere when you're presenting, you've, you've just got to lead them. You are the one that um, creates the magic for the presentation. You, you kind of touched on this, but when you are, so if you've, you've got kind of a bank of stories and you kind of figure out, okay, here's one we're going to, we're going to work on for a second and we're going to kind of craft and, and play the, with this. Um, do you mention like the way that you would write it and the way that you would speak it would be different? And, and so how do you go about, like, if you're working with a, uh, with a student, how do you go, how do you go about the process of, of helping them to flesh out that story and the direction it could go? Cause like, it, it'd be like, if, if, you know, like we were, if we were just like, Oh, Hey, you know, tell me about the time that, you know, you, you know, tell me about the, the time you, you, you two first met, you know, like we could probably tell mm-hmm. that potentially come up with that story. Um, but if we really sat down and thought about it, you could probably tell a better story. Uh, so how do you kind of think through the best way to craft that, um, when working with a speaker? Well, I tell them all the time to make sure that they are descriptive. And if I could not see them speaking, then I could, Um, imagine, you know, through their descriptions of what was happening. So it's like when you, you know, old time, when you would sit around a radio or now when you even listen to a podcast, you have your imagination go wild. Well, I can see things that they can't see in a story. And it's because they're so close to the story and I'm not, or I have a lot of questions about what actually happened or could they be more descriptive here? And it's because I'm objective and I've yeah. not seen it. You know, we all get so attached to certain stories or the way that we want to tell it, but really someone else can give you some great pointers into how to make it better. Do you think it is possible to, um, to be a great speaker or to be a great storyteller without having that, that third party feedback? Oh, sure. But I think you're better when you do have that third party feedback. I mean, there's always been conferences or programs that I've spoken for that if another speaker has come to hear me or if a friend has come to hear me, I'll say, okay, when we're done, but not immediately when we're done, (laughs) when I'm done, I want you to give me some feedback and some true, honest feedback. And there was a presentation not too long ago that I did where I didn't realize I got a huge laugh at one point. And it was because I told that story so often that I knew I would get a laugh and I'd move on. But this friend of mine was like, you got a humongous laugh. Why don't you take the story in this whole direction? And it, it has made my presentation so much better. And I'd never thought about it because yeah. I was happy with the little you know laugh that I got. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, we, uh, we talk a lot about that, that it, it's, it's hard to read the label from inside the jar and you are so close to your own material and you're like, well, I'm just going to tell the story and I'm going to you know, fly through and leave a bunch of details out. But the story may not make sense without some of those details, or you just Absolutely. assume that everybody knew those things, or, you know, you didn't think that this part could be funnier or that you could go a little bit deeper with this or take a little rabbit trail, you know, and, um, and it's hard to see some of those things without 
like you said, an objective uh, outside party looking at it like, hey, hey, that story you just told, uh, I'm confused. Like, where did exactly. like, where did this come from, or where did that person? Where, what happened in this scenario? And like, you have to you have to close some of those loops when you're thinking about it. So when you are, uh, so if you 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 start with coming up with a lot of stories initially, but like, where do you go from there to to turn it into uh, like a congruent roadmap that makes sense to, for an actual presentation? Well, I always ask, what are your goals for this presentation? You know, what are your maybe three takeaways? And then we work to insert stories within those three takeaways. So I always say, set up your presentation and have a BAM, you know, have it so you're saying something that that they were not expecting because depending on the audience, they're just expecting a speaker either to blow their socks off or to be super boring. So if you walk in there and you start with a little bam, a little different than what they're expecting, then you're, you're going to win. And then you set up, you know, your presentation pointers yeah. of what it is that you want them to remember. And you just plug in stories through there. What does the, what are some examples of like what that bam could be or should be? Oh, goodness. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, it could be, you know, you walk out and, and tell everybody to clap once, you know, um, it could just be something where they have to immediately respond or, um, yeah, I don't know why to do that. (laughs) (laughs) No, cause it seems like, um, you know, it could be, it could be a story. It could be something funny. It could be, like you said, some type of interaction. Some of it depends on the audience, but, um, uh, I mean, it could be, you know, some, if you use slides, uh, showing some type of, you know, funny picture or video or graph or whatever it may be. Um, but just something asking that, a question. Yeah. 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 So it, the point being like, it doesn't have to be something that's overly complex, meaning like you don't no. have to come out and do a magic trick if you're not a yeah. magician, you know? Um, yeah. but it could be something simple that just, that captures, uh, the, the audience right away. Uh, so from there you've got, you know, what some of the main takeaways are, you know, what some of the stories are, uh, you know, what kind of that intro might be, uh, where do you want to go from there to, to, uh, especially start to like pull it together and make sure that it's not like, you know, disjointed, but there is, there is kind of a, a flow and narrative to it. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's like, we just work it out to see, mm-hmm. you know, where people are, are really comfortable. Um, it was interesting. Like when I worked with Kate Garns, um, mm-hmm. one of your students, um, she would have her stories and we'd be tightening it up. And then she'd start telling me something else. And I go, wait a minute, that's a story. Yeah. <laughs> that's a better story than what you just told me. And so we really revamped a lot of her presentation based on just conversations that we were having. And so it's like, you just wrap it up by looking at what is your goal? How comfortable are you, are you telling the story? Are you doing therapy on stage or are you really giving some takeaways for people? And then you just start to close it up so yeah. that people can remember why you were there. You don't want people to walk out of the presentation going, I don't even understand what that was all about. Yeah. Well, why did we have to sit through that? You yeah. want people to say, so what did that speaker talk about? And people be able to recite two or three things. Right. 
One thing, um, you know, we tell speakers all the time is that you, uh, when you're creating a talk, you're, you're making an educated guess. Like, I think this makes sense. I think this is funny. I think this is engaging, but you don't really know until you get up in front of a live audience and you get some of that real time feedback. And so when you present a talk, each time you present a talk, ideally it gets better because you're, you're figuring Mm -hmm. out like, Oh, that, you know, that was, that was funny. And I could go deeper with that. Or, um, you know, I I could continue to go down that rabbit trail of, of engaging with the, with, you know, the, the humor of the audience at that moment. Um, and so how do you like help speakers to take the pressure off of themselves? Cause so often it feels like, okay, I'm giving this talk. And especially if you are, you know, wanting to build a career as a speaker and you're going to be giving this presentation more than once, like we want it to be awesome from day one. And a lot of times like yeah. it's good, but it will get better over time um, yeah. just with some of the, those reps. So how do you help speakers like take some of the pressure off? Like it doesn't have to be perfect from day one and it probably won't be perfect from day one. Well, that's the hard part because no matter what, we are the product. And so we are very hard on ourselves if things aren't perfect. So I just, I tell people, absolutely. The first couple of times you do this, you may not um, get the same response that you were expecting, or you may do it one time and you blow the doors off. I mean, everything is awesome. And then the next time you give it, people are not responding and you don't know what the deal is because you're doing the exact same material. And so you have to learn what works with the majority of audiences and maybe what you need to tweak. And the tweaking part is the hard part because we want to go out there with what we've developed and it kill. And sometimes it does. And other times you just got to keep tweaking. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, the joys of, uh, of being a speaker. Sometimes you're like, I'm, I'm really good. And sometimes you're like, yeah. I told that story yesterday and then today nobody laughed. Nobody thought anything of it. And so oh, uh, you, that's you, never, I, you never know what the audience yeah. is going to give you. I always tell students who work with me, look, this business keeps you humble because yeah. you can do uh, 10 presentations, 10 different States and you kill and you think I am awesome. <laughs> and then that 11th time you bomb bigger than life and you you're so yeah. confused and hurt and you have no idea what's going on. And so that's why you gotta, <laughs> you, you absolutely stay humble in this business. When you're working on a talk, do you tend to, um, like especially a brand new talk or working with a speaker on a, on a talk, do you manuscript everything out? Do you just do like bullet points and it's like some talking points to kind of riff from there? Or what do you, what do you typically recommend? I do bullet points for me, but some people really like to write out every single thing. And they like mm-hmm. to know that at 14 minutes and 30 seconds, they're going to be saying this. Right. Um, I am not one of those speakers, but um, I just work with the way people, people learn um, bullet points to me are easy because then I have had bullet points that have been taped to the floor, um, in front of me on a, in a presentation, if I'm doing something new, because I'm scared that I might forget some of the points or right. what the stories I'm supposed to tell. And so bullets are easy because they trigger what it is that you're really wanting to do. Whereas if you write it out and then you memorize it, you could have stage fright and you not even know that you're going to have it, or you've practiced so much that you get to a point that you're nervous and you, you forget. And I've seen that happen on stage several times where you can tell that they practice so much that they forgot what the next word was. Yeah. And that's why you've got to be able to do your presentation in 20 minutes or 45 or 90. Yeah. You know, you've got to be able to switch at a moment's notice of, of what it is that you're going to be doing. 
So. so what does that preparation process look like as far as like, okay, I've got the talk, I've got, whether it's an outline or a manuscript or whatever, and I've got, you know, a couple of weeks or a month or whatever until the presentation, hopefully not a night before type of thing. As you're trying to learn the material and learn the content, is there any uh, thing that you do or that you'd recommend or teach uh, that students would do uh, about helping to, to learn and be prepared for, to give a new presentation? Well, like I said, I do bullet points and I'll do them on cards and I go in my car. It seems like when I'm driving, that's when I can practice the most and I'm totally by myself and I can make notes. And I do make a ton of notes on those cards of maybe a, a line that I could add or something that just didn't sound right. And I just practice it. Yeah. Like when you're driving or just sitting in the, and just sitting in the when car I'm driving. Yeah. Okay. I don't go to the garage and just sit in the car. <laughs> I am driving or I find in the middle of the night, that's when I get a lot of what I think are great ideas. Um, and I immediately write them down. And I know that people use their phones all the time, but I really think that tactile learning, <laughs> when you write it out yourself, yeah. actually has a lot of benefit. Do you, so when you're practicing and you're writing down on, on like keywords on, on note cards there, yeah. are you like going through the whole talk out loud? Or are you just going through yes. it in your head or what does that look like? No, I'll go through it out loud. I mean, I do it in my head, but then I also go out loud because it's, amazing how things in your head don't sound the same when you say it out loud. Yeah. And sometimes you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't even sound good to me, yeah. but it looked good on paper. Right. Is there anything that a, a, a speaker um, could or couldn't do that, like basically to over-prepare, meaning like you kind of alluded to, there are times where speakers uh, are so deep in their own head and I'm thinking about the next keyword or I'm thinking about, uh, you know, the blocking of, okay, now I'm supposed to take five steps over here and move my yeah. arm like this. And it's just like, they're, they're regurgitating this thing versus like being present with the audience. So how do you find the balance of like being prepared? Um, but at the same time, like not over prepared where it just comes across phony or fake. Yeah. Well, I think you've got to, um, really, Think about the way that you practice and what are you doing? Are you really giving a presentation like people do? Right. Or are you just having a conversation? Yeah. And I'm one of the conversation people. That's what I do. I, I just pretend that I am up on stage, but we're just having a conversation and I'm going to engage you with my words. Yeah. I don't have to engage you with flamboyant gestures or, you know, me walking around or getting really loud. Um, I want people to engage simply by what they hear from me. So yeah. um, I don't know. I just feel like I, the people who have, I don't, I don't want to say necessarily failed, but the people who have um, not done as well are the people who absolutely memorize their presentation. Verbatim, I mean, word for word. Yeah, word for word. I mean, there's people who word for word and then they'll stop and go, I don't know what's next. I mean, I actually yeah. saw a very professional speaker um, on stage who froze and she just stopped and said, I don't know what comes next. Well, oh, that's painful. It, it was so painful because it was in front of um, 1500 speakers too. Oh. So everybody felt for her, but at the same time, she had been overcoached. Yeah. And that's one of the things is, is you've got to really um, look at the way that you're being coached. And is somebody trying to take away your personality to interject certain things that they think is good? Or are you working with someone who brings out your personality yeah. and that you feel comfortable with? Because, I mean, it, it is hard. It is a performance. And so you do have to perform at some kind of level. But at the same time, you can't stray away from who you are. Yeah. How do you do that? Or how do you balance that with 
because uh, you kind of touched on this earlier, especially early on, you're watching other speakers and you see, oh, that worked. And so how yeah. do I incorporate that into my talk? You know, yeah. and I like I know I think every speaker has made that mistake of that speaker told this funny story. So how can I um, uh, how can I, you know, create a version of that for myself? Or do I have any stories like that that I could use? Or, oh, that speaker told that thing and everyone got really sad. Is there anything really, and that seemed to go over really well. Is there anything really sad that I can share? So right. how do you kind of find the balance of like, uh, of learning from other speakers, but not, um, not letting it influencing you to the point where it's like, I'm giving a, a, a presentation or speech, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel genuine to who I am. Yeah, well, I think that's, you just hit on it. You've got to be genuine with who you are and what it is that you want your audience to learn, do, be after they hear you. Um, Because I am not going to be able to do a presentation like you, but I can admire things that you do. But at the same time, you can psych yourself out watching too many speakers and think, oh man, I'll never be like that. Or, you know, I I can't dance like Judson Lapley, you know, good grief. Um, Everybody has their own style and everybody is going to appeal to somebody. And that's just it. And so when people come up to you after a presentation, they go, oh my gosh, you were amazing. You were wonderful. I always ask why, or what did you remember? Because then I can learn from what people are getting out of my presentation. I mean, anybody can come up and say, oh my gosh, you were amazing. But what, what was made me amazing? What hit for them? So, you know, you've got to be genuine with who you are and, and, what it is that you want your audience to, to hear. Yeah. That's a good takeaway as far as like uh, asking for like uh, that specific feedback, because um, it is uh, it sounds callous or weird, but like when enough people just say like, that was a great speech. That was awesome. You did. You were really good up there. You're like, that doesn't help me. You know, I appreciate it. Um, Yeah. And, but as far as like getting better, like, Oh, that was, that was, that was awesome. You did really good. Like, what was awesome? What made it good? Yeah. You know, like anything that you can build upon or add to, um, is, is, uh, always helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love asking that question. Cause once I started doing that, I learned so much about my own presentation. Yeah. Interesting. So. Interesting. Harriet, always enjoyed chatting with you. If people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where can we go? HarrietTurk.com. We'll send That's people it. there. Okay. Good deal. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab Podcast. And before you take off, don't forget if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps it helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of a rating and review. And again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.